This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitri. We want to say thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure, make sure you give us a five-star review. You guys have been amazing and awesome and all of those good um, descriptions of how of, of good behavior. Um, because we are rolling up to 2,700 subscribers on our way to 3,000. We're trying to get here before September 11th, so go ahead and get us there. You know what September 11th is. It's the first game of the Atlanta Falcons. Woo-woo! Um, so, yeah, we thank you guys for, uh, for, for supporting us and, and, and making sure we are, you know, getting, a, getting the word out for us, you know, because we are making some strides, and I'm just super, super excited about that. But what else I'm excited about is that Austin Riley put himself in a GOAT category or a GOAT conversation. Um, by surpassing one the goat in base major league baseball and Dean P's T, he tired of the bull crap, <laughs> and we'll talk about that. And last but not least, and for the culture, Trey Young, John Collins, and Dejounte Murray, we got a sneak peek of the Hawks' big three. We'll talk about that and for the culture. But first, T Austin Riley. Um, breaks the extra base hits um, in a month record um, by going 26 extra base hits in the month of July. And he breaks Hank Aaron's record yeah. of 25. That was back in 1961. And ironically, it was in July, the month of July as well. Mm-hmm. Man, it, it was it's just one of those things just to kind of see how, see a player just go off. And that's what we've been yeah. witnessing from Austin Riley here lately. And it is it definitely has helped the Braves, you know, as they got the sweep against the Arizona Diamondbacks over the weekend. Yeah. And what Austin Riley, like you said, has been able to do this entire month, it's like really he's just been progressing towards this. And going back to June 1st and the start of the Braves 39 and 14 run best in the majors over these last two months, his trajectory has gone up and the Braves have benefited from it. Right. So right. like you said yesterday in a pitcher's duel between Kelly and Max um, Breed, yeah. you see every hit, every on base counts. And right. so, yeah. And, and, and so literally, you know, Austin Riley gets the one double and that ties the record. He gets a second double and that makes the record. And the other guy who's been in that sort of player of the month, Braves player of the month, possibly NL player of the month conversation is the guy who he actually drove in, which is Matt Olson. Olson. And it was kind of funny because we were all like, shut on, Matt. Come on, you got this. Like we were, I think we were all kind of pushing. I literally was like, there's no way he scores from first base. <laughs> Matt Olson is probably might be the slowest person right. on the Braves <laughs> roster. And they were like, I'm like, we're sitting up here rooting for him to score from first base. No way possible, but and he, he made it happen to you. you know he made what? it happen. I loved it because how about that is the person perfect way to punctuate the month of July. Like the Braves have just been in no quit mode, just gutting it out, grinding it out, somehow getting wins. Right. And Mm -hmm. isn't it also interesting that the very team that kind of sent them down the rabbit hole to have a come to Jesus conversation is the very team that helped them to tune up to. So that of course was at the end of May. Now here we are two months later and they're helping them to really tune up 
whether it's the pitching rotation, the bullpen, or even getting uh, your, your bats back in order, helping them to get ready for what you and I both know is going to be one of the most challenging, if not challenging, weeks for the Brave coming up. Braves coming up. No doubt about it. And one person who, who has been faced with a lot of challenges is Ian Anderson. He made a case for Alex Anthopoulos to not pull a trigger on the uh, trade deadline. We'll talk about that. But first, T, tell the folks about Bet Online and what they have going on, how they partner with Locked On Sports Atlanta. Yeah, you guys remember we talked about recently how a Mickey Mantle card is likely going to go for $10 million, right? Oh, and if you want to know if that is accurate, then the number one source for betting needs and sports info is betonline.net. And why do I mention that? Because that could be an over-under situation. Will it go for 10 mil? Will it go under 10 mil? Will it go over 10 mil? So that's something. And I'm going to give you guys a sneak peek in what Jarvis and I are going to be talking about in segment two. And that is top 10 defense for the Falcons. That could be an over-under for you as well. You want to know how to get some insight on that? You go to betonline.net. They give you sports development league reviews and news about your favorite teams your favorite players it's really that best spot and kind of an all-encompassing spot for scores podcasts and news again even if it's your football your college football or your pro football or if it's a niche sport like mma golf boxing you can get all the same information right there so head to that website today you can use your mobile device definitely go to the site after you check out ATL Day Ones, but still go to that site and tell them we sent you because as sportscasters, we also want to keep up with the trends and that is where we go to do it. So bet online, that is exactly where the game starts. No doubt about it. And the game got started for Ian Anderson over the weekend as well. Six innings pitched, T, nine strikeouts and only one walk. We've talked about this on Friday and I believe wholeheartedly Ian Anderson mm -hmm. just listened to the show. And I think this was confirmation that that, that was the case. Maybe so, yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were really on the struggle bus, Trice. Right? Oh, man, we don't know. We don't know. And it did feel like do or die. And I right. believe that, yeah, he was kind of feeling that pressure as well. Like, I need to do something because Alex Anthopoulos will get on the phone in a heartbeat and try to make something happen. So I think that was a breath of fresh air and a bit of a relief for Braves country to see that Ian Anderson and, again, assuming that that was enough. And I, I don't believe that it was actually enough to kind of save him. If that's enough, all we can do, Jarvis, is hope that this Ian Anderson is the one who shows up for the remainder of the season to help to push the Braves into the postseason. But I also want to give a shout out to Kyle Wright and recognize Max Free because, my God, Kyle Wright, 13 wins. You're leading the majors. It's crazy what he's been able to do as well. And also Max Free. And I wanted to mention Max Jarvis, because in in a walk-off win, like what Austin Riley was able to do, and we all believe that he's probably going to be that NL Player of the Month, didn't want Max Fried's performance, uh, Dylan Lee's performance, uh, Kenley Jansen's performance. Nine scoreless innings is what that group put together. Max Fried put together seven of those scoreless innings, five strikeouts, just a couple walks, and now Fried has 59 and a third innings without giving up a home run it's a bad bad man as well so again we know what austin riley did to give the braves the win but that pitching staff also put them in position to get that dub no doubt about it and that's what traditionally the braves have been they, they, the pitching staff i've always kind of carried them you know through these light situations mm -hmm. when they go, go through these the lows of the season and you you have to lean on different phases of the game to to get you through and max freed and kyle wright have been those guys 
for the entire T of the 22 and two season for sure. Mm -hmm. And the expectation is for them to continue to do that. Uh, We don't expect anything less. And I think that, you know, uh, but like with that being said, is that something now does Alex Anthopoulos change his mind? Because, you know, they they just added here um, Adrianos and they um, designated for assignment, Robinson Cano Mm -hmm. in conflation with that that particular move. So, Does Alex Anthopoulos change? Is he working the phones as much as he possibly potentially was before Ian Anderson had this type of performance Yeah, I think he might be working the phones just a little less because there's some solid, and it's very, very in the early stages as far as what we're seeing out of Ozzy Albies. But there are some encouraging things that we're seeing out of him to say he is on path and slightly ahead of target in terms of him being on a 60-day IL, but possibly coming back, right? So that, to me, is positive. So yeah, you have Adrianza, you get him in there, you DFA Cano, you know, you got him for a couple of weeks just to kind of, I don't know, put a... a Band-aid on the wound. Can you even <laughs> call it a band-aid? Yeah, I'm like, I don't really even want to call it a band-aid, but I think you just ran some water on the issue. You just yeah, ran some like, water on it. Yeah, you ain't got no band-aid outside, you know, get no. a cut. You just run exactly. a little water on it. Come back to it, right? And that's what you do. So Ahiri Adrianza, I think, is a, a better choice there. And if we assume that Ian Anderson can at least keep this up for the the rest of the season, or even be half of what he was on Saturday, then it allows yeah. Alex Anthopoulos a little more leverage to just go ahead and get a replacement for Adam Duvall. And I think that just pulls some pressure off of what the Braves are going to need, assuming that reacquiring Ahire Adrianza and having uh, Ian Anderson kind of look a little like Ian again. could be uh, That's a good look for Alex Anthopoulos, 24 hours, less than 24 hours before that deadline. And I'm, and I'm with you because I, I think that, you know, anything they add after this, because like, if this is what a peak is, like you say, if Indianapolis is half of what he was on Saturday, I think the Braves will be uh, okay with that because at the end of the day, when you get to the playoffs, the rotation shrinks anyway. So um, I think that, you know, that's something that, you know, we definitely keep an eye on, but mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. I don't think that he does. He has, he has a lot more pressure than, than he did after that, after performance from Ian Anderson. I think that that kind of gave him a little, he can sleep a little bit better at night. Now, whether or not people care or not <laughs> care if Deshaun Watson gets some sleep at night, we now know that he has been suspended for six games. Uh, and uh, the NFLPA, b- before the, uh, the the news dropped of his suspension, NFLPA mm-hmm. said they weren't going to appeal. So we know that side is okay with whatever um, the judge the decision the judge, had, judge made. Mm-hmm. Now, we have to see whether or not Roger Goodell and the likes of the NFL is going to try to appeal. They still have an opportunity to do that. But, T, Deshaun Watson, only six games? I know for me, I was sitting up here like, okay, he's at least going to get 10. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, the Browns were kind of like thinking like that too when they traded for him because they only gave him a million dollars in salary this year. So they were expecting him to like, okay, we know more than like he's going to be spending for quite a bit. And mm-hmm. I, and I, and I th- for them to – for the NFL to come back initially to mm-hmm. for a six game suspension. I just think this is just, it just seems like, it just seems dirty to me. <laughs> like only six. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I always said it was going to be between six and eight. I always okay. said, I, yeah. I, and I lean to six more or so than I even lead to eight. My thought on eight was they may come out of the gates with eight. 
arbitrator comes in going down to six, yeah. and then going down to six. That's always where I thought it was going to land. So when we got six out of the gates and the NFL PA said they weren't going to appeal, I said, part of that is probably because they knew it was going to be six games. It's kind of mm-hmm. where they wanted it to sit, leave it alone, let's keep it moving. But then also we look at what is important to the NFL, right? And you look at Calvin Ridley, because of course, with especially with Deshaun Watson being a native of Atlanta, with Calvin Ridley being the looking like he was going to be the next franchise wide receiver for right. the Falcons, everybody's comparing and contrasting. Well, for the NFL, it's apples and oranges because the integrity of the game, I know people aren't going to like to hear this, especially coming from a female, but I'm just keeping it real with you guys. You have to look at what the records show. So if you look at Cal, 17 games for betting. If you look at Vontez Burfick, 12 games for targeting. You look at DeAndre Hopkins, six games for PEDs. You look at Ben Roethlisberger, six games for sexually assaulting, allegedly a 20-year-old student. I know that the numbers for Deshaun Watson are more than Ben Roethlisberger, but if you're trying to compare apples to apples, he had eight. I'm sorry, he had six. He got reduced to four. Deshaun probably was going to get eight, probably, you know, uh, got reduced to six before it even got there. I'm just saying that that's kind of where the league stands a lot of the time. Now, they'll do some things like with Josh Gordon, 25 plus games. And Darren Waller, 16, but they also had a lot of history in that substance abuse space and violating the league's policy, right? Right. Just follow the pattern. And this is consistent, whether you like it or not, this is a bit consistent with what what matters to to the league, it seems. And to be honest with you, like, and they have traditionally gone off of the precedent that has been set, right? You know, like you say, you mentioned um, Ben Roethlisberger uh, being in that, and that falling in that same category, right? The apples to apples. And I, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of people are trying to conflate, you know, Calvin Ridley and Deshaun Watson when they're actually two totally different situations. And I yes. don't think you could do that. You know, yeah. when you're talking about having a real conversation about where he's, where his, the amount of games that he should miss falls. And, and, mm-hmm. and I think that if you look at, just look at the facts of the case, there were no criminal charges. And like, yes, it's dirty. Like oh, I mentioned before, no it's just, oh, yeah, it's just a dirty down. situation. Yeah. Yeah. When you even talking no. about it, thinking about it, and I'm just like, my God, dude, fuck you have a you have issues. Yeah, and I mean, and I think that, you know, we all do. And let me just say that. I'm not being judgmental, but we all have issues. And I think that if your issues are being put out there and for it to blow up like it did and for him to only get six games, I think it's just it was just weird to me. Um, and I think that as we go, we'll see, we'll figure out whether or not Roger Goodell is going to appeal, mm. uh, try to appeal the situation and, and see if he try to get more games as we go along. But as we continue to go along, speaking of football, you know, we're talking about some real football. Yeah. Dean Pease lost his mind over the weekend. Yes. <laughs> and yes. you know yes. what, T? Uh, I was ready to grab my helmet after I saw <laughs> saw his statement. Saw his statement. We'll talk about all that next and why I'm trying to consider, you know, coming out of retirement for a a a, a thirty second um a, a, a monologue by Mr. Dean Peace. We'll talk about that next on, on ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and T. We'll be right back. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I'm Tanitra. That is Jarvis, and we appreciate you guys for 
starting your week, whether that's your work week, your school week, or whatever it is that you're doing, maybe your stay K week. But we appreciate you guys for hanging out with us and always downloading us wherever you get your podcast and leaving us those great five-star reviews and even the comments. We definitely read the comments. You guys had a lot to say about a topic that we're going to revisit today. So Jarvis, let's get right into it. You know, I have coined a phrase that uh, a couple of folks are now using and I call it hashtag Deanisms. And what that means is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, defensive coordinator Dean Pease will always give us something to work with. And he did not disappoint on the last day of training camp for the first week of training camp for the Falcons, right? So Dean Pease literally, you know, there was aggression all over the place. So we're going to talk about some of that aggression as well. Yeah, but man. literally, <laughs> Dean Pease talked about how he was fed up, really, and wanted people to pipe down on his defense and let his defense show you how they're going to pipe up and potentially do something that a defense for the Falcons has not done in two decades. And that's leap into the top 10. And he wants the negativity to stop and for the focus to really get on what those guys can do when they get on the field. And Jarvis, you were out there last week. You saw how fired up they were. And even on Saturday for training camp, you know, there was a little dust up there with uh, Jermaine Effetti and Jalen Dalton. And then, of course, so they had to leave practice. And then Anthony Rush got into a little dust up. Practice was shut down at that point. (laughs) So I ask you this question. Is that some early fire that you like to see that you think might translate into the regular season? Or is it just heat breeds aggression? You know what? I, I think I think it's the former because when you think about it, there is um, from defensively, there is always a kind of like a, a team aspect. Now, not to say mm-hmm. that it that's not all, that's not the case for off, off offense, because but I think there is something to say about guys starting to get to a point where they feel like they have to exert themselves physically on, on one of their teammates. You yeah. got to think about that thought process, right? When mm-hmm. you get to that point, they're like, sure, there's some heat involved. No doubt about it. But there is something that everybody has to – feels like they have to something to prove. Like we talk mm-hmm. about even when going back to Anthony Rush and responding to a comment on social media, like he feels like – he has right. something to prove. I got a chance to talk to Marlon Davidson. He said he actually reads the comments on yes. Twitter. He yeah. said he uses it as motivation. So mm-hmm. everybody feels like they have something to prove. And, and when you get that chip on your shoulder, it's kind of like, I don't care who's in my way. Like, if you are holding me back from proving who I am and what I can do as a player, like, you might get slapped. Like, that's yeah. that's just how it is. I mean, yeah. I, and I... And I'm not a proponent for violence, you know, and a lot of times coaches aren't really either, you know, because they have a, an agenda when every day when they go out to practice. And that's yeah, why. Don't eventually, yeah, you don't want anybody to get hurt. And plus, they're trying to get they're trying to accomplish something. Yes. But from time to time, there comes a point where, like DNP said, you get mm-hmm. tired of folks talking junk. And I even mm-hmm. asked a question to Arthur Smith when I was out there Friday and. And it was in reference to being better than they were last year. And mm-hmm. Arthur Smith kind of got a little a little fired up. And, you know, you can tell that these guys talk about this stuff. And that's why I think that Dean Pease is the type of guy that he talks about this stuff in regards to being better, yes. in regards to doing more, you know, mm-hmm. in regards to knowing the defense 100 percent so he can call those plays. And then not only because he can so he can call them, and so you can go out there and be successful when he does call them. Exactly. And I think that he has some weapons 
that have the capabilities of executing it. And guys being in their second year in his defense, and you got guys that have been with him before, so they got a full understanding of what he's trying to accomplish. So I think there are a lot of factors that go into, okay, this is why, yeah, they got into a fight, they got into it, but here's why. Mm-hmm. These people, a lot of people on the field for the Falcons, specifically on defense, have a lot to prove. Lorenzo right. Carter, you know, big-time prospect coming out of Georgia. Like, yeah, he had five five sacks in four games last year, but shoot, what did you do out, outside of that? Everybody has something to prove. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Marcus Mariota, Jasmine Ritter, everybody has something to prove. And right. I think that that's one of the reasons why uh, that Dean Pease kind of went off like he did. And I think that's why you saw those guys kind of get it, mix it up over the weekend. Right. And hold that thought. Let's, let's hold that thought because we got a little bit more to dig into with Dean Pease and that defense. So I don't want to get too far into that before we talk about Coffee AM. No doubt about it. Y'all know why I'm fired up. Know why I can go talk for for so long at Tom Pines because you know I'll be drinking my coffee AM, baby. I use it every morning to get myself going because yeah. I start off my days early and I need a little pick me up because you know I get my workout on. You know, see, I'm starting to get my shake tea. You know, I'm trying to get right, <laughs> trying to walk around with my shirt off at some point before it get cold. So. I need my coffee AM to get myself together because they got it is the best small batch coffee roaster in America. That's that's the only choice, guys. If you want to try try coffee AM, go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on. And we got a special treat for you once you go there. What is it, Jarvis? Once you go to the coupon code, you know, you pick out what you want because then they got a big wide selection, right? They have all of the, you know, you can get the teas, you can get, you know, um, the fresh coffee, you know, it's roasted and shipped same day or close to it, you know, and, it, and it's, it's made to order right mm-hmm. there waiting just for you. Now, what, what's the what's the code? What's what we got going on? What you got for the, for the, for the locked on listeners and viewers? All right. Once you get. Select what you want because the selection is just crazy. Just talked about it, right? You're going to get 15% off. All you got to do is just drop that the code locked on in the coupon code box, and you'll get 15% off of all coffees, teas, and gift sets. Yeah. Go ahead and try it out today, right now. And we think you're going to love it just like we love all that fire that Dean <laughs> brought on Saturday. Yes. We absolutely are here for it. Dean was like, hey, we've been in the top 10 as a defense, the Falcons organization, one good time, once in the last 20 years. And he yes. said that whole ish Goodness. is over, done, it's a wrap. <laughs> so for him, he said, hey, I'm not expecting anything less of my guys. And here's what I thought about Jarvis. Before mm-hmm. I actually ask you the question, Rashad, I was listening to Rashad Evans speaking earlier to our buddies, Andy and Randy, right? right. And one of the things that he talked about is the fact that Dean Pease is the same in front of a camera, meaning in front of the media and behind closed doors with the defense. And I thought about this. He brought him in because he thought he knew that he could master the defense because he's already mastered the defense under Dean Pease. And he knew that he believed that that uh, Evans, in spite of his injuries, had some some something left in that tank, right? You just mm-hmm. mentioned Lorenzo Carter. They're bringing Lorenzo Carter on because they think he might have something left in that tank. So you look at some of their veteran additions, and then you throw in, as you mentioned, the the current prove-it guys, like a Marlon Davidson or a Taquan Graham, and the guys who are coming in saying, oh, I'm ready to rock day one, Arnold Ebikati. Put no it all together, Jarvis, 
and even Grady Jarrett. I love the hunger that we're still seeing in him in year seven. And you're looking at AJ Terrell and he's still hungry. I say all that to say, Jarvis, there might be a shift that is coming because the talent, I think you'd agree, is much better than it was last year. So if you've got more talent and you've got somebody like Dean Pease who believes that you can follow his complex defense and get something done, you believe, Jarvis, that he can change the culture and do you believe he has the personnel to make that jump? Yes, yes and yes. Because when you, you think about it, because the track record is there, right? Like, yes. We're not questioning whether or not D, um, Dean Pease is a good um, defense coordinator. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why Arthur Smith brought this man. He's, what, 71 years old, <laughs> you know, man, in out of retirement to, to come coach this defense? It's because yes. he knows what the heck he's doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, And plus, it's immediate respect yes. as soon as he yes. walks in the room. Immediate you know, respect when he walks into the room. So, And like, like you mentioned, the talent is there, right? You know, it's just a matter of those guys going out and executing. You know, Lorenzo Carter got a little talent. You know, you don't get drafted in as high as he did, you know, right. if you don't. And, mm -hmm. and I think that you got a, a second-round pick in honor of Katie who, you know, they traded up for. There's a reason mm -hmm. why, because he has the talent. D'Angelo Malone selecting the third round with the A-second mm -hmm. overall pick. There's a reason why he was drafted there, because he has the talent. And I think that the, the Falcons understand that you need the talent. Mm -hmm. just to be in a conversation of changing the culture, right? Because <laughs> they didn't have that last year. And mm -hmm. DEP's just kind of tried to figure it out. He mentioned throughout the – sprinkled in those those, those frustrations those throughout dinism. the year. You know? <laughs> dinism. He dropped those dinism throughout the season. So if you, if you were at those press conferences like you were, you know, you and I were, like, you understand. Like, this is something that's been boiling for mm -hmm. quite some time. So – and I think that, you know – this is something that we're going to kind of see come to fruition this year because I know that Pease is a really good coach, and I think that they, they did, from a talent standpoint, they do have the pieces to, yes. to put it all together. And I have to agree with you on that one. I believe, yes, he is that person, maybe more than anyone I've seen, you know, kind of be the person who can change that culture, if you will, and kind of mm -hmm. change the mindsets. And sometimes, Jarvis, it's a mind game first. And if the talent is there, then, hey, we can work on that. But I got to get your mental right. And that was one mm -hmm. of the things that I think it was almost like, you know, I'm ministering to you, but I'm ministering to myself because right. he's telling it to the media, <laughs> but he knows his players are listening as well. So I really love that. And, yeah, I agree with you. I believe there are more than enough people on these on this roster, more than enough personnel that has the talent and has the desire to prove something that that is going to put the Falcons in a good position to at least chase after getting that top 10 position for defense. And you use something as well that Dean Pease used, and that was putting some respect on his defense's name. Well, you know what y'all are going to have to do next season for the Hawks if they do what we just saw this past weekend? Put some respect on their name. We'll talk about it when we come back in For the Culture. Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We want to thank you for rocking with us throughout the entire show. We appreciate you so, so much. You guys have been downloading us wherever you download your podcast. And if you haven't jumped on that train yet, what are you waiting on? Since you jumped on late, here's what you do. You go download your download ATL Day Ones, Locked on Sports Atlanta, wherever you get your podcast. And once you download that bad boy and listen, and understand what we got going on, give us a five-star review. All latecomers have to give us a five-star review. That's just the <laughs> rules for today and going forward. All right, so, yeah, but T, 
this is a um oh goodness gracious this is for the culture <laughs> it is the intersection between sports entertainment and the culture and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about but that's just how we get down on this show now wow we talked about over the week a lot of stuff going it's just a packed fulfilled weekend full of news um coming out and got a chance to i came across these highlights t Mm-hmm. of uh some familiar names yes, trey so young yes Dejounte murray and john collins it looked like the harlem grove charters where they played they were playing in this crossover league out in seattle washington mm-hmm. and they were just absolutely nutting up now that's a good thing for my folks in dunwoody that's, that's a positive they were actually going bonkers in this league against whoever they i don't know who they were playing against but the numbers that I saw, right. if that's a glimpse into what if we're in store for mm-hmm. when the season starts for the Atlanta Hawks, I'm ready. I know yeah. football season is coming, and you know how excited I get about football. But, oh, my goodness, if this is what we have in store for, for this weekend, along with DeAndre Hunter mm-hmm. catching bodies in the AEBL too, oh, the, the, the Hawks are going to be back in the playoffs, and they're going to be ready to rock. Yes, in Indeed. So <laughs> thinking DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, John Collins, starting a few weeks ago where it kind of felt like, and I don't say this in a, in a negative way, I say this in a positive way and an authentic way. It seemed like for Summer League, they were kind of going on a little bit of a tour, if you will, like, you know, we're one. And that was fine with me because it started to, as the summer has worn on. It's kind of felt like, okay, looks like JC is going to be around. So if that's mm-hmm. the case, let's start building this camaraderie and let's start getting to know one another on and off the court. So when regular season hits, we are ready to rock and roll. So when I saw, you know, the the pass, the assist to the alley-oop and the finish, I was like, ooh. So they're like, okay, then. And, you know, the fact that they're traveling together and they look like they're, they're a cohesive unit, I am definitely all here for it. And also DeAndre Hunter. And of course, he was here in the Atlanta Entertainment Basketball League, a different league, but doing DeAndre things. And here we always say, listen, as long as his body does what his body is supposed to do for this next season, you've got your big three and a strong two in DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella. Everybody in Hawks Nation, you guys should be extremely excited about what the product that you're going to get on the floor this season. And, you know, Jarvis, no different than what we talked about in our last segment with the Falcons defense in particular, feeling like they have something to prove. I have a sneaking suspicion, especially Trey, because, you know, he keeps a chip on his shoulder anyway, and that ain't a bad thing. But John All Collins. Day, every day. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not mad at you. John mm-hmm. Collins, you might have a chip too. Because everybody thought you were going to be ceremoniously shipped out of here. So maybe you got something to prove. DeJounte Murray, you want to make sure that everybody knows that you were the right move for Travis Schlink and company to make. And then finally, DeAndre Hunter is out here showing everybody how his body, is, I mean, he looks great. He looks very much physically fit, conditioned the whole bit. So yeah, man, listen. Is it October yet? Late October. <laughs> I'm sitting up here like, oh my gosh. Like, and, and to think about the possibilities, right? Because within some of those highlights, you saw DeJounte Murray bringing, up the, bringing the ball up the court and yes. giving it, passing it off to Trey Young and easily had a, a favorable matchup. Boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Take it to the hole. Oop, easy layup. And yes. those are the type of things that Nate McMillan talked about, Trey Young playing off the ball more. And I think that if you get that, if he starts to learn 
what it means to be off the ball. I think Trey Young's going to learn that he's going to be even more dangerous. And, mm-hmm. whew, and then you have two guys who can get John Collins to rock and set him up and get him into the point where in position to where it's an easy baskets. And, yeah. and I think that if the more easy baskets you get Collins, the more he's going to be enthused to be able to crash the boards because I think yeah. some of the, he ended up with like 17 rebounds in this, in mm-hmm. this particular game. Right. And I think it's like, Oh my God, this is, that's what you need. The, the, the possibilities are endless. And I think that's what you need going into the playoffs because it can't just be Trey Young and he, he and figure out figure out the rest. Now you have DeJounte Murray in that equation. Mm-hmm. You have a John Collins who has a, another facilitator that can get him to rock. And mm-hmm. then you got DeAndre Hunter out here with feeling like he something, has something to prove as well, like yeah. you mentioned with the chip on the shoulder. So mm-hmm. a bunch of guys with a bunch of chips on their shoulder. Um, it, I think that's a recipe for success. Um, for for the and it should put the rest of the NBA on notice yes. for sure. Speaking yeah. of the rest of the NBA team, uh, um, uh, another goat. I know there. You know we we try to try to ration that that label out, and yeah, I think that do. this is uh, an older gentleman that that deserves that that, mm-hmm. that title. And when you talk about the passing of of Bill Russell, mm-hmm. um, passed away peacefully at the age of eighty eight. Uh, his family released a statement on via social media. Uh, mm-hmm. about you know how how it went down and you know just from a, a standpoint of just to let everybody know and 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 bill russell is let me just say this i'm not old enough to have seen bill russell play let me just right. go ahead and say that right and if and when you think about it about those goat conversations like you don't really hear bill russell's name mentioned in that but 11 championships two as a head coach he was the first black pro sports coach in North America. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, think about that. He was the first, you talk about pressure, and he was the guy who, who wasn't afraid to speak up, wasn't right. afraid to right. say, hey, you know what, I'm not playing in this exhibition game because y'all, how y'all treat Mega Evers. You know, mm-hmm. those are the type of things that you think about him being standing on. And I was actually going through some videos, T, and you just, when you think about him and what he's done, for the game of basketball, it's just it's just absolutely just like it's hard to kind of put it all into words, yeah. you know, when, when you think about what Bill Russell meant to the game, to the to this game. Yeah. And two memories come to mind for me, and that is watching the Warriors get the finals trophy and then the MVP trophy awarded to Steph Curry and no Bill Russell. And it just mm. felt different. It was yeah. like, wow, where's yeah. where's Bill Russell? Because right. he's just such a staple. So like you said, we expect our icons to live forever, yes. but they don't. And I, when I found out last night that he passed away, my first thought was going back to when I noticed, oh, wow, I wonder where, where Bill Russell is. Like, why isn't he there? So it was noticeable for me. And then, of course, you guys know my favorite player is Kevin Garnett and when Kevin was in the league, he developed such an amazing relationship with Bill Russell. And, you know, a lot of times players these days don't necessarily connect with the older generation, if you will, but for them to both be, and I know Kevin only had a short stint with the Celtics, but they're both legendary because he brought that city a championship after a serious drought, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of what he was able to do 
during his time there was guided by Bill Russell. So again, like you said, we didn't have the opportunity and the good fortune to see him play back in the day, but certainly his impact is still seen in the likes of players whom we love and we love their game like a Kevin Garnett. So rest in peace, Bill Russell. Definitely our thoughts and prayers are going out to all of those who were close to him and all of those who were touched by him. Now, speaking on a lighter note, guys, because sometimes you guys follow us for the craziest reasons and comment on the craziest things like these wings. Like these wings. So, so, so gotta, has an update on the wing debate. So we got a uh, comment from my guy Kenny, and he was just, you know, say he wanted to. First of all, he loved the show, and he wanted to just say, hey, he was literally just having this conversation with his wife, talking about <laughs> who who in the heck came up with the term boneless wings because they should be ashamed of themselves. He's like, Jarvis is right. They're chicken nuggets. But again, great job. I'll see you guys on the next show. So, Kenny, appreciate you for the comment and appreciate you for saying that I'm right and Tanitra's wrong. <laughs> that's, Kenny, that's really what it was, bro. He was not trying to shout you out. He was really just coming for me so that you are aware. But you know what, Kenny and Jarvis, I'm about to be like Kenny's wife because I'm about to go eat my boneless wings, nuggets, or whatever the heck you want to call them. So, that yeah, that's what I'm about to go do. And you guys, we want you... After you watch ATL Day Ones, and you can even go back and check some of our older episodes just to see what we're all about, make sure you check out Hitting Hard with John Chuckery as well. Enjoy the rest of your day. And if you are in Atlanta, go get yourself some boneless wings. Bye. All right. I'll come back now, you hear? She'll still be wrong. <laughs>